Well, welcome back to It's Okay to Love Yourself. My name is Katherine Yazzie, and I am here with Rachel Barbanel fried um, And I'm so excited to have her here today with us to chat about a few different topics. Um, before we get into it, though, I just want, I'd love, Rachel, if you, Dr. Rachel, if you wouldn't mind taking a moment to introduce yourself, um, who you are, what you do. You can totally call me Rachel. Rachel. Okay. <laughs> Um, I am a um, clinical psychologist. I'm in practice in um, Newton, Massachusetts, which is just outside of Boston. Um, and I, I work with individuals, couples, and families. Um, and I actually started my career path working with adolescents. Um, I worked in the public school system and I went to school actually because I wanted to work with um, adjudicated youth, so kids who were kind of not getting along in their sort of normal day-to-day, -day. and I did a lot of that work. Then the beauty of my career has actually been that it's been able to change with me as I have grown. So after working in um, high school populations for a while, I started working in college counseling centers. And then when um, I was in the, when I was like getting married and having kids, I started working with couples and young families. Um, and so most recently my career trajectory has um, morphed into a combination of um, sort of classical psychotherapy, working with people around, anxiety, depression, grief, um, you know, family dynamics, and now uh, working with a lot of executives and uh, folks who are really kind of at the top of their game mm -hmm. and still kind of struggling to figure out like, how do I make it all fit? How do I make it all kind of feel a little better? How do I make it mesh with what I think I'm supposed to be doing, what I want to be doing, and kind of sort of really living the life that, you know, yeah. I want to lead. Um, so I'm, you know, a clinical psychologist and an optimal performance consultant, because I think there's a really, I've found there's a really good overlap between those um, two realms of my work. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like as you've grown in your career and your life experience, you've been able to sort of shift within who you're working with and, and you've seen that evolution yes. within your work, which is awesome. Yes. Um, and I'm sure this year has been, I mean, this year has been challenging for everyone, no matter who you are. Um, but I'm curious, did you get into the performance consulting um, this year or like when did when did you sort of shift to to work with these executives who are at that point in their career where they've achieved success um, but like you mentioned are trying to get everything in a balance they want to feel contentment um, just interested um, in that it has definitely happened before the okay <laughs> that we're in yeah um, it's um, you know, I think, like I said, it's a, a sort of natural offshoot of sort of where I am in my life, where yeah. my office is located, um, and who kind of has been referring to me and who's drawn to me. Um, it's just sort of, you know, it sort of happened 
organically mm-hmm. um, where I started to notice that the people who were coming in to see me were people who were very successful professionally. Mm-hmm. People who, you know, we all have these fantasies that we project onto others, like, you know, folks yeah. that we see in the media that were like, oh, that person, you know, has it all. That person's got it all going on. Yeah. And those people were coming to me and really clearly either felt they were um, imposters mm. or felt like they could recognize that they had sort of achieved some you know, external sense of um, success, but really had not, didn't feel like it was a, it was a a mesh. And one of, one of the most painful things is when our insides don't match our outsides. Yeah. Right. So, and that can look like a lot of different things. It can look like, you know, I mean, the, the beauty and the, um, I guess the tyranny of human existence is that we can all suffer in our mm-hmm. own individual ways, but there's a lot of similarity to sort of what some of those feelings are. Yeah. And have you noticed any commonality or like a broad maybe theme, um, an underlying cause of that sort of disconnection with that outward self and the folks who feel like they're an imposter, they're, they don't, they don't relate as much to it. Is there anything that you've found with, when working with these folks or I'm sure everyone's story is unique and different, but. I mean, I think the, um, the piece of humanity that is in all of us is the fact that if we don't feel seen for who we feel we are at our essence, it mm. doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. So someone who is externally facing, looking really shiny and quote unquote perfect. Yep. Going to still feel like a hot mess. <laughs> yep. And is going to still feel like, you know, really uncomfortable. Um, and then often what happens is then you f- sort of double down on that process where I have to keep working harder to project this image of perfection. And um, the more that I project this image of perfection, the more shame I feel. Perfectionism, mm. actually, I, should, I think should be called shamism. Mm. Those of us who sort of feel like we have to be perfect are really kind of working against an inner sense of shame. Mm-hmm. And the fantasy is that if I am perfect, I will be able to uh, let go of the shame. But unfortunately, it's not really how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned perfectionism, because I've been thinking about that a lot recently about just how it gives you something to do to avoid those feelings that you're not good enough or you make mistakes and you're a human being. Um, and yeah, I think that's really interesting. The shame component and how we go to these links to avoid it and to, to pretend like we have it all together. I used to feel like that so many times in my life where like you just want to seem like you have your shit together, but it doesn't actually feel good until you can feel that way. Not just 
work to look that way. Yeah, I don't even think of it as, um, I think of it less as having to feel like you have your shit together mm. and more accepting of the fact that we all feel like a hot mess all the time or mm. most of the time. Yeah. Right. And how do we do that? <laughs> That's the million dollar question. Um, you know, and what I say to people when I work with them, right, is that I don't actually have, uh, I don't have a magic elixir, right? Mm -hmm. I am not going to sell you a bill of goods. I wish that I could. Right? Yeah. It would be great if I could just say like, take two and call me in the morning. <laughs> yeah. The work is that we all have to figure out what that looks like and what that feels like for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And so working with me or with anyone, you know, who does this kind of work, um, it's really about learning how to listen to what, you know, is happening inside of you rather than focusing on the externals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree. I feel like there's no roadmap. And I think that's what can be really challenging for folks who get so um, used to, you know, like the corporate world and how everything is planned and you have these very organized goals and structures that you can lean on to give you that path of what to do to get to that end goal and end result. And I feel like discovering and, and getting more in touch with what, who you are and what actually feels good to you. It's, you're right. Like someone can't tell you that what that is, you have to find yeah. it. Right. Right. So I can make all sorts of <laughs> suggestions. Oh, try this. I do this or other people have tried this or whatever, but you know, you got to figure out for you what works for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you could, I'm curious, like, how do you approach when you're working with your clients? Like from a, is that process of helping your clients unlock this for themselves? Is it different in a psychotherapy sense versus like the work you do on the consulting and side of things? Yes and no. Yeah. Um, I mean, the short answer is no, because I, I am, I am who I am wherever I am. Right. Yeah. So, um, for example, I, when I decided to go into psychology, I thought that this was like I was like, mind, mind blown. I have figured out what I want to do. Yeah. And literally everybody who I told was like, yeah, glad you're on board. Like we've been waiting for you to get. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, you know, so, uh, you know, school helps, right. Because I've learned tricks of the trade, you know, how to, how to listen. Yeah. Um, and but I think that's the biggest thing that I do is I listen and I know how to listen um, for what's beneath what people are saying. Mm -hmm. And that's true whether you're talking about struggles with your family or struggles at work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Freud um, basically said that all of these conflicts that we have are about this idea of like, we want love in our relationships and we want appreciation at work. Mm -hmm. This is very loosely translated. Don't quote me on yeah. that. Um, but my basic, I, my, my feeling is that they're actually the same, right? Mm. That we want success at work is important because that helps us feel recognized and seen for what we can 
do and who we are in that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when someone is seeking that recognition, how much of it, like, do you think that you can teach someone how to, you know, validate and recognize themselves or like, is that part of the work that you do? Um, yeah. In some way. Sure. Um, you know, I think I'm, my work is trying to help people get out of their own way. Mm. Right. And oftentimes, especially when I'm working with, you know, whether it's teams or individuals around work related things, folks who have been successful and are kind of at the top of their game, the, the complicated factor is often that what got you there is not what's going to keep you there. Mm. Yeah. And so you need time to kind of figure out how do I switch? How do I pivot? What do I change? Mm -hmm. Yep. What types of skills? Um, I know before we started recording, I was talking to you about, I know you post a lot about emotional um, flexibility and like what kinds of skills do you think help someone while they're trying to adapt and to adjust to maybe a new level um, of success and feeling feeling integrated in that way? Well, when you say skills, mm. right? um, I think that so there are a couple of things that come to mind. So first of all, bang for buck, the most useful thing that any of us can do is meditate. Mm -hmm. Right? Because it sounds so simple, right? To sit and in effect do nothing, but like watch your breath or watch the sounds or whatever kind, there are lots of different kinds of meditation you can do. But yeah. The most difficult thing to do. Yeah. Right? And as I think you sort of alluded to earlier, um, you know, busyness in and of itself is a distraction from the discomfort that we carry with us. Right. Yeah. And so, in terms of this idea of, you know, feeling like an integrated human, right, that we're all kind of in it, um, I think really probably the most helpful thing you could do is figure out how to sit with yourself for 20 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. That being said, that's really hard. And there are lots of other things that are helpful for people. Um, you know, uh, most of us are underslept, over-caffeinated, um, you know, don't feed ourselves nutritious, nourishing food, we're like dehydrated. There are all these things that we do and yet we expect ourselves like to just operate at like a, you know, this very high level constantly, but we're not taking care of ourselves. Yeah. In a way that we need to be taken care of. Yeah. And I just want to ask a quick question about that specifically, because I think that ties into, you know, you said you work with folks who have anxiety and I'm interested from like a clinical perspective, how much of anxiety is brought on from maybe the environment we're in and versus is someone just naturally an anxious person? I think what you're asking is nature versus nurture. Yeah. 
right? And we don't really, at least to my understanding, to my knowledge, we don't really have a clear answer to that, mm. right? And part of what you're getting into is actually the discussion about epigenetics, mm. right? So, um, you know, this question of if you have a gene, yeah. will it be expressed in one way or another? Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, so for instance, I'm Jewish, um, and there's a lot of um, sort of there are a lot of questions right now around this idea of epigenetically are Jews more prone to be anxious, right? There's mm. this whole long history of persecution. And so, you know, now is there is there some extra loading on on that gene, or is it just the way that you were raised? Mm-hmm. Or is it how you're feeding yourself? Right? Mm. How you're taking care of yourself, right? Um, you know, one, I work with a lot of folks who have anxiety, um, anxiety in and of itself, isn't a problem. Mm. You need some amount of anxiety without some amount of anxiety. You're not going to get up off the couch. Yeah. (laughs) But when the anxiety is too much, then you can't get done what you need to get done. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, simple things like how much caffeine do you have? How much sugar are you eating? How much exercise do you get? How deeply are you breathing can really help to kind of uncover some of the like top layers of anxiety. And then when we get deeper, we can sort of start to understand, is this like a family trait that you've learned? Um, is there some kind of trauma that, you know, we didn't know about. Um, yeah, so it's really multi-determined. I'm, yeah. I think it also ties back to what you were saying at the beginning around like, it's normal. Like we, we all need to, like, we're going to have moments where we don't feel like we have it all together. We're going to have moments of anxiety. And I feel like it's just so helpful to have conversations with people and remind yourself of that. Cause we can get so wrapped up in our heads of, we need to feel calm at all times. And we're not, we're not doing enough to, no, I mean, that's just know? bullshit, right? Yeah. I mean, especially now, right? Yeah. Um, the reality is that like, right now is really scary time. Yeah. Right. That like we, I mean, and now I feel like I have the sense that there's like a pinprick of light at the end of this tunnel. But yeah. if you, if we, you know, dial it back to March, April, May, of this year, right? We didn't know what we didn't know and Mm -hmm. everybody was anxious and that's a normal response, Mm -hmm. right? So you were asking me and you've been talking about this idea of emotional flexibility. So, right, anxiety in and of itself isn't the problem, Mm. right? Anxiety is a biological process that we are all equipped with in order to survive. Mm -hmm. The problem comes in not when you feel anxious. The problem comes in for most of us with our relationship to the anxiety. Right? So it's like Mm -hmm. you're saying, it's like, oh, I feel anxious. Oh, I shouldn't feel anxious. I'm supposed to be feeling, you know, positive and happy. Um, and you know, I'm actually, um, 
doing a bunch of work right now um, on grief. Mm. And um, I have a blog that's going to come out soon and a class that's going to, a YouTube class discussion that's going to come out soon on the topic of grief. And it's very similar, right? Grief is a human experience. You cannot exist as a person and not grieve. Mm -hmm. The problem comes in when we feel like we have to pathologize that feeling, right? When we get so fixated on I'm supposed to be over this. This is supposed to be happy. I'm supposed to be positive. I have to feel gratitude. Like (laughs) grief is part of it. You can't be human without it. Mm -hmm. My family just recently um, lost our dog. He was 13. And I feel like you can try to rationalize your feelings and try to. So feelings (laughs) and logic have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. (laughs) They don't. Yeah. So if you try to rationalize your feelings away, what happens is we get really stuck. Yeah. Right. And so that's the opposite of the opposite of what we're talking about in regards to flexibility, right? Mm. The flexibility means you have to be aware of the fact that you have these feelings, that all feelings are ethically neutral. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're entitled to whatever feeling comes your way. And the feelings, if we are really flexible will differ depending on what you're faced with. So you lose your dog, you have this grief, you then get and you get some exciting, you know, you get a book deal or I don't know, pass a test or whatever it is in the next moment and you can hold both of them. Mm. Yeah. Other than meditation and just sitting, like getting comfortable sitting with feelings. I do think that so much of, in my experience, at least, like, I think wanting to try to make feelings logical is just feeling in control. <laughs> Do you have any other um, tips or just things you've seen to help people lean into that gray area? Um, I think about sort of five pillars, right? So um, sleep is really mm. important, right? Yeah. Most of us operate on a sleep deficit most of the time. Yeah. Um, and specifically, if you're operating on a sleep deficit, then you're having less REM stage sleep. And um, more REM appears to be connected with more cognitive flexibility. Mm, interesting. Right? So, so we know that sleep is sort of... Um, we call it sleep hygiene. We know that the process of sleep actually helps us kind of to clean up what's the detritus of the day and what we're dealing with. So sleep is really, really important. Mm -hmm. Um, Nutrition is really important. And I don't, you know, I don't ascribe to like any one particular, you know, you have to eat this way or that way, but eating in a way that really nourishes us yeah. Most of us eat mindlessly and don't actually pay attention to when we're eating or what we're eating or why we're eating. Mm-hmm. Right. But really thinking about feeding ourselves to nourish ourselves, I think is really important. 
Likewise, like I mentioned, hydration is really important. If you are dehydrated, which many of us kind of walk through the world, really yeah. hydration, like you feel anxious. Yeah. Like it just, that's just what happens, right? Yeah. Um, exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of different ways and reasons to exercise. You can exercise for cardiovascular health. You can exercise to help abate dementia, right? So, but in terms of mood regulation, right, it's like yeah. about, about 20 minutes a day of something that elevates your heart rate, mm-hmm. increases endorphins, increases serotonin. It doesn't have to mean like going for a run. It can be yoga. It can be going for a walk. Um, right. It's, yep. it's really these things. So wait, did I say everything? Sleep. Thank you, four. <laughs> um, movement. Oh, and the last one is connection. Mm-hmm. Right. So connecting with friends, connecting with a therapist, um, and that's one of the things that in this past year has been so difficult, right? Because all of yeah. so many of the ways that we have um, for regularly connecting have been eradicated or put yeah. on hold. Um, and so we've had to, you know, figure out different ways to do it. And some of them just aren't as good. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, you know, I'm talking to you over Zoom. Yeah. Zoom is great. It's really, really helpful. Um, but like, doesn't, does not, you know, does not, uh, replace a hug, right. doesn't replace like sitting across the table from a friend and having a coffee together. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, it's interesting as I'm looking at the list, it, so much of it is, you know, we might think of it as like just basic self-care, Um, and it's just striking to me that we can, I think a lot of times we underestimate how important these basic things to show ourselves compassion and self-love, like truly how impactful they can be, um, on our well-being and how we feel every day. And, Mm -hmm. and that there's like this evidence that, that shows how much of an impact that these activities have. Mm-hmm. Um, it also makes me think of, you know, Maslow's hierarchy. And I, I recently downloaded an audio book on, I, I'm forgetting the title, but they were talking about just his studies in psychology and, um, you know, that concept of you need to fulfill your basic needs first to, to then go up that ladder and, self-actualize and get to that place where you're feeling fulfilled and, and I think integrated with yourself and and your outer world. Right. I always say you got to put your own oxygen mask on first. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, this is true for people who I'm working with in their couples and families and kind of in the more classical psychotherapy realm. And also really true for all of these like super high performing executive types, right? Yeah. Um, Where like, if there's a culture um, that like, there is a culture in our our world, right? That um, you're supposed to like, busyness is is a badge of honor and hard charging is the way to success. And that's just bullshit. And it's yeah. certainly, if it does get you to someplace, it's not going to keep you there. 
Yeah. Because what <laughs> served you at 20 is going to feel really different at 30, really different at 40, and probably kill you by 50. Yeah. 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 It's like your people, this go, 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 it's only sustainable for a certain amount of time. And you can, you can buy into it and you can think that this is what you want. I think ultimately many people, I know for myself, certainly, and I'm only 31, but I hit the point like at 29, like I can't do this for the rest of my career. I cannot go at this pace. There's just, it's impossible. Um, and it's, yeah, I love, I love that statement of just like, what got you here is not going to keep you here. And it's so hard to divest from that culture. How do we change? How do you help your clients choose differently? I mean, no one comes to me because everything is working perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> right. So by default, if you are talking to me, you're interested in change. Mm. Now, a lot of people think they're interested in change and then find change is actually much more difficult than they anticipated. And so that's a conversation we need to have. Um, but um, the, the question is really, how do you get out of your own way, right? Yeah. If something's not working, you got to change it. I can't change it for you. I'm just, you know, I'm just the same. I'm just a, you know, a schmuck on the street trying to make my life, you know, fit together. Right. And yeah. It's yeah. messy and uncomfortable. And, you know, I'm a pain in the butt too, to the people who love me and who, you know, are with me all, all the time as well. Right. Yeah. So like there's no such thing as perfect. Perfect isn't, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. So the question is, what do you want your life to feel like and what can we put in place to get you closer to that feeling? Mm -hmm. Cause to your point, I do think that if someone is seeking help and they, they recognize, you know, maybe they're burnt out they're they're sick of feeling like the imposter they want, they want to change. Um, is there again, like kind of commonalities of like resistance in that process that you've seen or, um, I mean, anything, so, right. I mean, so anything can be used as resistance, right? We yeah. were just saying busyness can be resistance, right? Anything can be resistance. So yeah. Has there been anything this last year, you know, we talked a lot about how like just connecting is different. Like we're, we're seeing how our normal lives have been disrupted. Is there any big learnings you've had this year or just things that you've maybe changed your mind about given what's happened? in 2020? I don't think there's been anything that I've changed my mind about specifically. Um, but I think, you know, I think the way that I've been thinking about it is, you know, I really have had to double down, quadruple down, like really self-care has become that much more important. The way that I've been talking about um, and thinking about COVID, right, is that it doesn't didn't change anything. Yeah. It's just a different container. It's a much smaller container. And so, you know, people who work with me know that I talk about the COVID container and the COVID container is really condensed. Mm -hmm. And so we're under pressure. Yeah. Right. And so, 
um, you know, pressure over time either causes an explosion or yeah. a diamond. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the question is, how do you pivot in this situation that we're in to figure out like, what do I want to leave behind and what do I want to take with me? Yeah. Yeah. And like, what are those essentials? What are those five pillars that I can focus on to help me get through a day when it's easy to let your mind wander into all those unknowns and, and things. I think that can be super helpful. Just coming back to those basics. We know how to sleep. We know what foods are nutritious. Like, I think that's such a good reminder. Drink water, get on your Peloton. I feel, I think you're a Peloton person too. <laughs> um, what would you say to someone who might be considering working with a therapist or, you know, maybe like an executive um, I would say if you're considering it, go for it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a really, I mean, it is such an experience of, um, I mean, it's a real privilege, right. To be able to just have a period of time each week or every couple of weeks, right. Where you can focus on just taking care of you. Right. Um, I think what I tell people who, you know, want to work with me is the most important thing is fit, right? So just because your best friend or your, you know, old therapist or the referral says I'm the greatest or because I have enough diplomas or whatever it is, like, it doesn't matter. If you don't feel comfortable with someone, they're not going to be able to be helpful to you. Yep. Um, and so usually, you know, it might take a couple of sessions, usually by like three sessions, we've got a really good sense of this is going to be good fit or not. Um, but it's really important again, to like, listen to yourself mm -hmm. and recognize, does this feel, does this feel like a good match? Because if therapy or coaching is helpful, right? It's going to push you. It's going to push your boundaries and that's not going to be super comfortable. Yeah. But it should feel comfortable. It should feel uncomfortable in a sort of positive direction. Yeah. It, you have to have that trust that the person is pushing you for your benefit and yeah. for your growth. Right. Yep. Um, and then you mentioned you're doing some work on grief. How can people connect with you and, and find your, find your work? Um, so I have a blog, my, um, I have an Instagram account, I have a Facebook account. Um, so my website is, uh, doctor spelled D R. So it's D R R B F dot com. The confusing thing is that my Instagram is actually the word doctor spelled out. Mm -hmm. um, so it is what it is. So that I, you know, if you want to follow me on Instagram, that's where you and I connected. Yep. Um, it's D-O-C-T-O-R-R-B-F. But if you want to come check out my blog, sign up for my, my newsletter, um, that's drrbf.com. Um, and um, in the in the new year, which is fast approaching, um, I'm going to be with a colleague at um, 
uh, in Lenox um, in March and in Tucson in oh wow June presenting on um, related to emotional flexibility um, presenting on um, creating change through stillness. Um, That's awesome. Biology of change, um, but um, before that. You know, I'm happy to connect with people on social media or just, you know, be happy, thrilled if you sign up for my newsletter and um, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to talk to you and, and get to learn. I feel like I talk a lot about these concepts and have seen how they've played out in my life. And it's always interesting to hear from someone who studied them um, and has that psychology background and, and can bring it all together. So it's, it's awesome to get to speak with you. So thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course.